new series alert. I just want to let you know we're starting a brand new sermon series for the next two weeks. I am so excited about it. And as always, it is a huge honor to be able to preach from this platform and uh, to this incredible church. If you don't know who I am, my name is Devin Fry. I am one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, I have the privilege and the joy of leading our youth and young adults ministries. I'm one of the teaching pastors. I'm also the Milford campus pastor. I'm doing a lot around here, so please pray for your boy. I need some help. I'm also a dad of now two kids, and uh, my wife and I have been married for about five years. It's a pleasure and a joy to meet you. If you're new to wherever you're from, uh, we're so excited that you're coming and joining us online today. Uh, shout out to the online team. You guys are the greatest team on the planet, and uh, have been carrying really the weight of our church for the past nine, ten months. And uh, we just want to say thank you so much. I want to honor our pastors, Pastor Derek and Stacy. Hey, if you're in the chat, can you just show them some love real quick? Because I'm sure they're watching right now. Uh, just show them some crazy love. I love our pastors so much. Um, but I have a topic and a conversation I want to have with our church family today that I think is so important. And uh, I got to be honest with you, uh, I got a little emotional as I was writing this because I've had far too many friends struggle with what we're going to talk about today. And I myself have had my own experiences. And so today, I want to preach from Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have your physical Bible, go there. I brought mine. Uh, so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is where we're going to be. Um, and here's my goal for the whole message. I want to tell you that peace is possible. That's what I want to convince you of today, that peace, and you can have permanent peace, and that permanent peace is possible to have no matter what the chaos in your life is going on, no matter what's going on outside in the world, no matter what's going on in our country, in our government, in our politics, in our entertainment world, whatever, I'm telling you, peace is possible for you in your life. I want to convince you of that today. And I want to go in Isaiah chapter 9. Real quick, a little bit of context for what's going on in this passage is, uh, first of all, Isaiah, the prophet, he has these two responses and these two basically messages in this entire book. It's a message of judgment and it's a message of hope. It's a message of judgment because of Israel's behavior and constant rejection of God. There is a coming judgment is what he was saying to the Israelite people. But he's not just leaving it at doom and gloom. He's also saying, but there is a future glory. There is a future hope. And we obviously know what is to come, but this future hope is a coming king. And this coming king is to free us from our oppression, from our enemies, but also from ourselves. And this coming king, of course, is King Jesus. But in Isaiah chapter 9, the first 12 chapters of Isaiah, essentially what's happening is it's, is it's uh, uh, Jeremiah's, it's Isaiah's uh, message of judgment. And this one particular passage in Isaiah chapter 9 is this one little glimpse of hope. And I want you to read this. And it says this in verse 6. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, I love these names, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father. And he will be called the Prince of Peace. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. One other translation says like this. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and the increase of his peace. And that's my, exactly my title today. The tag, I want to tag a title to this text, and it's this. is How to Increase Your Peace. How to Increase Your Peace. If there's one thing that all my church family needs today, is you need a little bit of peace. 
And I believe that there is a process. I believe that peace is also practical. I also believe that peace is spiritual. And I want to give you really that side of it today is how to increase your peace. Uh, But let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would speak through your word in this text, through my voice. Help us today to see Jesus, to hear from heaven, and to encounter the power and the presence of God. I want to pray the serenity prayer, God, that we would understand and accept the things that we cannot change. We would, you give us the courage to change the things that we can, and that you would give us the wisdom to know the difference between the two. We ask, God, that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in the chat said, amen and amen. It's time to get to work. All right, so like I said, I'm a new dad. And as a new dad of two kids now, so I have two baby boys. My firstborn, his name is Zion Joshua Fry. He's really not a baby anymore. This kid's a young stallion. Kid's the stud. I absolutely love him. Got this nice curly hair. Just an absolute joy in my life. And then we have this new baby boy. He is about three months old now. His name is Ezra James. Now, Ezra is still kind of in the sleeping process. At two and a half months old, he started sleeping through the night, most nights, and to God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. I am so grateful. But there's a few nights here and there throughout the week where he'll wake up at 3.30, he'll wake up at 5 o'clock, and it'll just be kind of sporadic. This particular night, this past week, uh, I have to wake up at about 5 o'clock. My wife, who is the incredible joy of my life as well, Uh, she decides to take the graveyard shift. So she's up at like three o'clock in the morning and she's feeding Ezra. And I'm so thankful for that. I get to sleep and get my beauty sleep. Um, But Ezra basically wakes up at about five o'clock in the morning. And so he starts crying. Of course, I get up out of bed. I'm a zombie. I'm exhausted. I walk out. Some of you guys that wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you're like, that's a normal time. That's when successful people wake up. Listen, you're an overachiever and you need prayer. You need to go to sleep. Okay. So I'm waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? I'm stressed. I'm frustrated. This kid's crying. I get a bottle. I go sit on the couch. I put Ezra in this little cradle on my arm, and then I start feeding him. This kid's just crushing six ounces of formula right now. Obviously, I can't breastfeed. I'm a male. It's not how it works. So I have some formula. I feed Ezra. He crushes six ounces. I burp him real quick. This kid sounds like he's a 35-year-old man with how loud he burps. This kid's an absolute warrior. So I start cradling him. I put this little blanket over his eyes and he's starting to fall asleep. And I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm about to put this kid to sleep in 30 minutes. I'm gonna feed him. I'm gonna put him back to sleep in 30 minutes. I'm gonna be able to get some more sleep throughout the day. I'm so hyped. And of course, as he's starting to fall asleep, eyes are getting heavy, it's getting slower. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, I can finally go to sleep. But of course he closes his eyes I stand up, I start rocking him, he's in dad's arms, and then he starts squealing, ah, ah. And this kid just stops, he starts fighting sleep for like the next 30 minutes. I'm freaking out, I'm angry. He starts to squirm and wrestle and, and jab and punch and literally like he's trying to kick me in the side. I'm like, I'm still half asleep, I feel like a zombie. This kid's just fighting sleep left and right, and I'm like, Ezra, go to sleep, bro. I was freaking out, so I tried everything. I'm in the middle of like listening to an audio book. You know, I'm trying to feed my mind as this kid's trying to fall asleep. Of course, I have to shut off my audio book while he's trying to fight this sleep. I put on the brown noise. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody that owns Spotify, you know what I'm talking about? I put on the brown noise. By the way, at the end of the year, Spotify always produces like these 10 top songs that you play throughout the year. This is how you know you're a parent. All the parents, you know what I'm talking about. For the first three songs of all of our Spotify playlists are all from like baby playlists. 
And I'm pretty sure we listened to thousands of hours of just brown noise. I don't even hear it anymore. So I shut the uh, brown noise, I turn it on, and I put it right in his ear. All you can hear is shh. And I'm like, dude, go to sleep. This kid was just so anxious. He was constantly fighting and he could not ever fall asleep. And when he was supposed to be at rest and he was in his dad's arms, listen to me, he was in his dad's arms. He should be falling asleep. Everything is taken care of. And this dude is freaking out. This is a picture of America. This is a picture of so many of us. Is America is the most anxious country on the planet. Here's just a few statistics for you. I just want to read these, read these off to you. America spends on depression alone $210 billion annually. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 34. Just under 20% of all U.S. population, that's 40 million people, have had anxiety or disorders. One in six Americans are prescribed on antidepressants. And listen, so many of us are convinced that we are the only ones that are struggling with this. Listen, statistically speaking, you're not the only one in your house. This is a problem. And far too many of my friends, far too much of my life, has been controlled by anxiety, by worry, by stress, by depression, and it needs to end. And I am telling you, and I'm going to try and communicate this to you as hard as I can and from my heart. Peace is your portion. Peace is possible. I'm preaching to somebody on the opposite side of this camera. Peace is possible. You can have it. But the question is, what is peace? And the second question, the secondary question would be, what isn't peace? Because listen, I'm going to answer the second question first. Peace isn't perfect. Peace does not mean you have harmonious conditions. Because you can have chaos going on the outside, but peace is this harmony on the inside. So what is peace? Peace is this Greek word, it's this Hebrew word, I'm sorry, of shalom. It means well-being, happy, put together. Essentially what peace is, my favorite definition, it is a harmonious condition of the soul. Meaning internally, I am at peace and there is this harmony on the inside of me. So even if there is chaos within, with, uh, uh, the outside of me, there's still peace within me. You can still have peace in the middle of chaos, friends. And so, but how do you get that? Because listen, peace is multidimensional. I need you to write this down in your notes. Peace is multidimensional. Peace is both spiritual and it's structural. Peace is both internal and it is external. Peace is both uh, personal and it's practical. Peace is a multidimensional thing. And so what I want to do is I want to serve the tenets of worry, anxiety, stress, depression. I want to serve an eviction notice because you can have peace. I'm telling you, you can increase your peace. You don't just have to remain every once in a while when you come into church or when you're watching a video or you feel motivated and you get an escape. Why do so many people do drugs? Why do so many people get prescriptions? Why do so many people do these things? It's because they're trying to find peace. And you can have peace. I'm telling you, you can have peace. And there's a way to go about it because it's spiritual and it's structural. But listen to me. I'm going to wreck some of your theology for a second, maybe your philosophy for a minute. You don't need more pills. You need more peace. You don't need any more pills. You need more peace. Now, here's what that is not saying. I am not saying that prescription drugs or medication is a bad thing. Shame on the churches and shame on the preachers that have said you don't have enough faith and that's why you're going for prescriptions. We believe that God can heal supernaturally. We believe he can heal naturally. We also believe he can heal medicinally. 
Make no mistake about it. I see people, they're complaining about people using prescriptions in the word of faith movement, etc., etc. But listen, so many of us are reliant upon cars. We don't have faith in God for, tele- to, for God to teleport us from one room to the other. No, we use a car, a man-made object. That's essentially, essentially the same thing as a prescription. Is that men and their brilliance that God gave them have utilized these things. But listen to me, pills bring relief. They do not bring healing. Oh my gosh, let me say that again. Pills bring relief, but they do not bring healing. You don't need more pills. You need more peace. And the question is, how do I get it? How do I get it? I want to give you some things, some keys on recognizing why you don't have it. And next week, what I want to talk about is how do you get it? Because peace is spiritual, but it's also structural. It's a result of some of the decisions we make, some of the practices that we have. And I want to get so practical next week. But why do you not have it? I want to give you three key reasons as to why. But first, I need you to get this. And please hear my heart. You need to hate depression. You need to hate worry. You need to hate anxiety. Because listen to me, worry is not just a waste of time. Worry is a waste of your life. Hate it. Listen to me, the stresses, the anxiety, the worry, that kind of depression, that will ruin your body. That will ruin your marriages. That will ruin your families. It will tear it apart if you don't address it. You can't just live with this thing. I can't tell you how many times I've preached about this and mental health and mental disorder. It's something I'm passionate about because it's something I've wrestled with. I can't tell you how many times I have preached about these things and what happens? People go in an uproar. Don't you dare talk about my anxiety like that. Of course I need pills. Maybe some of you do. And that's okay. But listen, pills bring relief, but they do not bring healing. And I'm just sick and tired of people getting upset about it. And you should be sick and tired of being sick and tired of having mental illnesses. Hate it. It is not something you are supposed to live with. It is not the thorn in your flesh. You do not have to live with this for the rest of your life. Some of us might require a little bit more maintenance. Because listen to me, I read, this, I read this book. It was The Law of Happiness. And it said oftentimes some people have to fight harder for their mental health than other people. It's a result of your personality, your genealogy, and your history. Some of us might have some trauma from our history. Some of us might have some generational curses or blessings that were passed down from our genealogy. But some of us naturally have a personality or a tendency to go negative or pessimistic or optimistic. So a result of these things, I think we all have to work a little bit harder. Some of us have to work harder than others. But listen to me. Peace is possible. I'm going to say it to you, believe it. Peace is possible. You can have peace in your life. Man, I feel this message today. But how do you increase your peace? Well, you increase your peace by, first of all, removing some things and adding other things. I want to tell you why you don't have peace. But I want to ask a simple question first. Is this, how's your soul and is your soul bleeding? Because so many of us don't even realize the internal hemorrhaging and bleeding that is going on inside of us because of a lack of something or an abundance of another thing. Here's what I mean. Three things. How do you increase your peace? Well, you probably don't have peace, number one, because of this, your pace. Your pace. Write that down in your notes. Your pace. Your pace. Um, have you ever been down south? So I'm speaking as a Bostonian. If you're, from, if you're watching outside of our state, if you're watching outside of maybe even our country, I know we have some people overseas that even watch these, and we welcome you. We honor you guys. Thank you so much for watching. 
But listen, have you ever been out of state? Like as a Bostonian, when I go down to Alabama, I have family down there. When I go down to Florida, I used to live there. Uh, when I went down to Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, I was born in Oklahoma. When I go down to these southern states, I realize one thing. Their lifestyle is so much slower. They talk slower. They walk slower. I find myself, you ever watch the movie Zootopia? Where the uh, bunny cop goes up to the DMV and she sees this sloth named Flash. And she's like, hey, I need a plate number. And he goes, okay, I will get that for you. And this bunny cop is like, oh my God, can you please just hurry up? That's how I feel like sometimes when I go down south. Is because everybody is talking slower. They're walking slower. They are pacing slower. In Massachusetts, this is what happens. Because we are in such an aggressive state. We are always on the go. We are always working. Your pace, listen to me. Your pace is killing you. It's killing you. You were not meant to go at the speed of lightning every waking moment. You know what's crazy? One thing that blew my mind as I was reading the scriptures and as I was reflecting. You think about Jesus for a second. Jesus, the savior of humanity, the Lord of, the Lord of my life, the savior of so many of us, the man who changed literally everything, changed the face of the planet, the man that we literally separate our calendar from between his life and his death. This man had 33 years on the planet. And you know what I notice about his life? The first 30 years were all about training. He was training. He was educating himself. He was studying. He was asking questions in the temple. He had three years of public ministry. Three years. Now, can you imagine, because Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew his calling. He knew his goal. His goal was to change the whole world and to be a bridge between God and man. And not only that, but also just make life better. He was not just the way. He was also our example. He had three years. And you know one thing I noticed about Jesus? This is crazy. He never ran. He always walked. Matter of fact, Jesus has a reputation in Scripture. I don't care what people say. Jesus was late to stuff. Like, he showed up late to a lot of things. Lazarus. Lazarus didn't get sick. Lazarus died because Jesus was late. So like, Jesus was late to stuff, and he was only a mile away, many people believe. So what does that tell us? That Jesus, he never was in a hurry. He walked everywhere. This is like, this is like crazy to me. Because like, the average human life, I think, is 75, 77 years nowadays. The average American life, at least. And Jesus had three years to accomplish all that he needed to accomplish in the world. You imagine if you had three years to live, you would be going at a ridiculous pace. You would be running, you would be hustling, you wouldn't have time for rest, but you'd find Jesus was resting, Jesus was sleeping in the middle of storms, Jesus was walking to places, he would spend time to play with children. Like, this is mind-blowing stuff. Jesus walked, but he shows us something, that the pace that you're going at, first of all, is unsustainable, and it's not like Jesus. Your pace is literally killing you. I read this book, and it was telling me, this is how you know you have a problem. This is when you know you're in a hurry. 
He goes, this is what I want you to do as a practice. I want you, when you gather your groceries at the grocery store, choose to wait in the longest line. And literally as I thought about that, I literally started having anxiety. I'm like, I can't wait in a long line like that. I hate traffic. Come on, all of us, we know that there is a sinful side of us because when you get into traffic, all of a sudden you go from praising God to just cursing everybody. Like, what's going on? And don't act like that's, that's just me. I know that's you. Some of the pastors on staff, I've seen, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, but let me just tell you, your pace is so unsustainable and it's literally killing your joy. It's killing your joy. Three practices I want you to inherit. The first would be Sabbath. The second would be solitude. And the third would be simplicity. The Sabbath. Some of us need to take a break before we actually break. You need to take rest. I know hustling is a big deal. I know working hard is a big deal. It's awesome and it's necessary, but not at the cost of your soul and not at the cost of your family and not at the cost of your longevity and legacy. Rest, Sabbath, solitude. You need to get away, not just from stuff and work. You need to get away and go to God. It's not running from something. It's running to God. You need solitude just to remove technology, remove obstacles, and be alone with your Father. And then lastly would just be simplicity. Simplicity. It's we have so many options. You ever been on Netflix before? And you have so many options that it takes the same amount of time to watch a movie as it does to pick a flipping movie. That's how I feel on Netflix because there's so many options. Listen, just to have less. Maybe it is that the more material things that we have and the more stuff we get, the more stressed we get. Sabbath, solitude, and simplicity. Your pace is literally killing you. Let me move on before, because I want to park there, but, but I got two more things I got to tell you is this. Is number one was the pace. That's probably why so many of us are so stressed and so anxious. It is your pace. Number two would be this. You're praying and you're processing. Number two, praying and processing. Um, there's a massive passage of scripture that I think is so important for you to study. I'm going to reference it, but you need to study it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to reference these real quick. But this is what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Somebody in the chat just write down, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It later goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then later on in verse 8, it says, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things and then the God of peace will be with you. So here's what I learned, is that peace isn't just a result of your praying, but also of your processing. It's not just a result of praying, but it's also a result of your thinking. And so if you want peace, likely you're not experiencing it because either you're not praying or your processing is so wrong and it is so off because you can't live a positive life with a negative mind. And so I see in this text about three things we can do. How do you lose soul weight? How do you relieve some baggage? How do you relieve the stress? Well, first of all, it's this rejoice. It literally just says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. 
Come on, we got a lot of things to rejoice for. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But you rejoice. And then the second thing you do is release. Present your requests to God. Releasing prayer is simply just an exchanging of weight. Bible says that if you come to me, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Literally, it's an exchange. Is I get God's peace and he takes my weight and my baggage. And so that's what prayer is. Prayer is just simply just completely being honest to God and saying, I can't handle this anymore and I'm giving it to you. Rejoice, release, and then redirect. So it says whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, pure, noble, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And so literally it is a redirection. It is rethinking your mind and shaping your mind. You will not have peace if you don't learn how to manage your mind. And listen to me, your mind is your responsibility. And it just goes without saying, but I need to say it again. You don't need more pills. You need more peace. Peace is a result of your praying and your processing. The third thing would be this. This is probably a reason why you don't have peace. It's because you have a lack of praise. It's similar to rejoicing, praising and rejoicing. Listen, your pace is unsustainable. Are you praying and how is your processing? But then also, how is your praise? Prayer, processing, and praising. I'm telling you, there is a spiritual component to this. I told you next week we're going to get into the practical stuff and I can hear people in my head already. I can hear you say, it's not that simple. I've been dealing with this for 10 years. Well, Frank, can we just not throw the baby out with the bathwater that God probably put principles in place and laws in place and some spiritual habits that God just does something supernaturally when we apply the word? We're going to get into some practical stuff. I'm telling you, we're going to get into it. But listen to me, before you just throw out the, the prayer, the praise, before you throw out the processing and the pace, let me just tell you something. God's word works when you work it. And so you need to learn how to praise because when praises go up, listen to me, anxiety goes down. There is something spiritual that happens. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3, you put on the garment of praise and in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. I love, that, I love that imagery. You put on the garment of praise. It's like a jacket. It's like an umbrella. As you, it can be raining on the outside, but rain's not going to touch your heart. Rain's not going to touch your skin. Anxiety can't touch you when you put on the garment of praise. It does something in you. Praise is a protection. Praise takes care of you. And, and then later on, it goes like this in uh, Psalms. David says it like this. He goes, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I will praise his holy name. So he is literally saying to himself, David is not speaking to God. David is speaking to David. He is saying, I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So David is preaching to himself and he is preaching to his soul. David doesn't have to remind God of how good God is. David is reminding himself of how good God is. I think about Jonah. Many, don't, many have overlooked this part of the passage. But have you asked yourself why did Jonah get out when he got out? Well, he got out of the belly of the whale simply because, or the belly of the fish, whatever you believe, scholars believe. Uh, when he got out of the belly of the fish, the reason he got out was because he started praising God. Read it for yourself. Jonah chapter 3, I believe it is. Where Jonah is literally in the belly of the fish. And he started praising God. And listen to me. When Jonah got grateful, Jonah got out. Oh my goodness. 
Somebody come and get me on this other side of this camera right now. Come on, throw it in the chat, some fire emojis real quick. When Jonah got grateful, did you hear what I said? When Jonah got grateful, Jonah got out. And so when praises go up, I'm telling you, heaven comes down and anxiety gets out. You got to learn how to praise. We all got something to praise God for. There is a spiritual component to this. When you praise, God responds. When you praise, God responds. Um, I was just reading this. Where the average human takes about 23,000 breaths every single day. Which means that you owe God about 23,000 thank yous every single day. And some Hebrew scholars believe that the term and the name Yahweh, it's literally without the vowels, Y-H-W-H, is the sound of breath, of every breath that you take. So in one second, the name Yahweh is almost too sacred to pronounce. And in another side of that, is you're saying it with every breath that you take. <sighs> Yahweh. We have reason to praise God. I praise Him for open doors. Come on, God has opened doors that, listen, no man could ever open for me. No skill I had could open doors for me. I praise God for closed doors. Come on, somebody. I praise God for my health. Some of us have had health in the middle of chaos. You know what? I praise God for sickness. Why? Because I remember times where I was sick and it gave me the perspective of eternal life. It gave me the perspective of when I am healthy, it actually makes me so grateful. I'm thankful for people he's brought in my life. I am so thankful. I've had blessings of people, literally like God sends, of people in my life. That's my wife. That's he's placed me in the family he's placed me in. Some of my best friends, some of my team. I just can't even begin to describe how thankful I am for some of the people he's put in my life. I thank God for the people he's removed from my life. Come on, somebody. We're talking about that next week. We have reason to praise. And when praises go up, heaven comes down. And so, it'd be this. I think the reason your soul does not have rest, your soul does not have peace, shalom, inner harmony, the reason it doesn't have that is likely because your pace, your praying, or how you're processing, and your lack of praise. It's spiritual. But listen, here's the scripture in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 Jesus says this, I leave the gift of peace with you. But he goes this, it's possessive. He goes, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. I love how savage Jesus is. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. No, but my perfect peace. So don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. I don't give peace the way the world gives peace. What is that? That's pills. That's relief. So we have a temporary peace. Because of pills that we got, or escapist routes that we go, or the bottle, or even entertainment, or pleasure, or hedonism. All these things are temporary peace. But God says, I give permanent peace. And that's why I'm convincing you today, and I want to convince you from the bottom of my heart. Because I am convinced of this. Because I've experienced it. You can have peace. And you can have peace permanently. You can have it. I'll close with this story. 
Zion and I, we love to wrestle. Uh, Zion is about three years old almost. It's been the absolute joy of a lifetime to be the father of that little boy. Um, one of my favorite things to do in the world, I, I didn't grow up with a little brother. I didn't grow up, uh, I grew up with three sisters. And I love my three sisters to get to death, don't get me wrong. But having a son, I've gotten to just be, you know, a man. And we just get to wrestle and we just get to play all the time. And he's at the age where now he's talking and he's like, Daddy, can we have something to eat? Can I make a peanut butter jelly stick? Can I make? And he's just talking about all this stuff. It's so fun. But there's been several times where we'll play hide and go seek. And so Z will go off and run into his room. He'll pull the covers over. And literally he'll, he'll literally shut off the light. Or the light will be shut off already. It's just complete darkness in the room. And he'll pull the blanket over. And I'm like trying to find him. Of course I find him. And I rest him on the bed. And it's just so much fun. And so he's like, hide and go seek. So I go run off. There's one particular time. I totally remember it. Like it was yesterday. I run out of the room. The room is dark. I accidentally shut the door. And he starts freaking out. He starts freaking out because... It was completely dark, and the door was shut, and he didn't know where dad went. And so he literally starts crying his eyes out. From one moment, he went from a moment of complete joy to a moment of complete fear, stress, anxious. He was terrified, and I'll never forget it. So I start hearing him cry, and I'm like, what? why is he crying? Did he just hurt himself? So I open the door, and I'm like, buddy, are you okay? And I, all he wanted was just he wanted to know where his dad was. So listen to me, as I broke that down, I thought through it. Zion is not scared of the dark. He's not scared of the dark. He sleeps in the dark. Sometimes he plays in the dark. In the mornings when he wakes up, oftentimes he'll just play in his room before he even gets out and it's still dark in his room. So Zion's not afraid of darkness. Zion was afraid to be alone. That's why peace, it's spiritual and it's structural. But it's also relational. Because listen to me, peace isn't just a principle, peace is a person. And it has less to do with what you are doing and more to do with who you're doing life with. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. We read it in the text earlier. I'm bringing it back right now. It says, he is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. I learned this from my son, is that peace has less to do with the presence of darkness and more to do with the absence of protection. That's what stress is. Stress is when you don't have protection. Zion could care less about darkness. He's not scared of the dark. He just wanted to know where dad was. And he needed to know that dad was just right around the corner. He was scared and he was terrified. He was anxious, not because it was dark in the room. He was scared, terrified, and anxious because he didn't know where his father was. And some of you are on the backside of this. And if you really search down deep, you've faced tough problems before. You've had anxiety before. You've had stresses before. But listen, you can go through anything in life as long as you don't go through it alone. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And if you want peace, listen to me. You need a prince. Jesus is the prince of peace. If you want the peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, not, not the world's peace, but perfect peace, you need to make Jesus your prince. And I'm going to offer that right now today. If that's you, and you need peace, what you really need is Jesus. 
You need Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you're at. If you're in your home, if you're with friends, if you're listening in your car, don't bow your, bow your heads or close your eyes. Make sure you're paying attention to the road. But listen, I want to pray for you. I want to believe that God wants to touch you today and he wants to give you the gift of peace. But really that gift is the gift of Jesus. Knowing that now, dad's right around the corner. You can go through anything in life as long as you don't go through it alone. And so I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to ask you to really click that button below. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to tell somebody and inform somebody of the decision that you're going to make. But you want to be right with God. Shalom. Peace is here. Peace is this inner harmony. It's a condition of the soul. But peace is also restore relationship. And Jesus came to bring peace. He brought peace. Why? Because he paid for it on the cross. The Prince of Peace gave us peace because he went to war with sin and he defeated it. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, and became the sacrificial atonement and sin and payment on the cross for all of us. We now don't have to have bloodshed and sacrifice animals because our payment was paid on the cross once and for all. And he now is the mediator between God and men. And all you have to do is put your faith in him by grace through faith. That's how you're saved. And so if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you're going to put your faith in Jesus and ask for the Prince of Peace to come into your life, if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to click that button, shoot your hand up, or inform somebody. One, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Accept peace. Three, if that's you, would you click that button below? And I'm going to ask you to kind of repeat this prayer after me. And I believe that God is going to give you the gift of his perfect peace. Father, I thank you. Right now, as many of us are repeating this prayer, we repent of our sin. We acknowledge that we need a Savior. And we thank you for the gift of the Prince of Peace. Now, Lord, I put my faith in you. I acknowledge that I need saving. And I thank you that you are that Savior. I make you the Prince of Peace of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, next week what I really want to convince you of is that peace is spiritual, but it's also structural. That there are some things in your life that you can do. And I'm going to leave this little teaser for you for next week. Is that the presence of God brings peace. But the principles of God bring prosperity. So peace is both internal and external. I want to talk about some of the external and some of the practical and structural next week. I hope to see you here. Come to a city group nearby. Text CC Save to 97000 if you committed your heart to Jesus Day. We want to help you and resource you in any of these things that we can help you with. Trust me, getting a part of a church family is the best decision that you can make. We're not perfect around here, but we do love you and we want to help you. And we believe we can. And so would you text that number below? I love you so much. God bless you. Can't wait to see you soon.